I'm passionate about horses. But it's not just horses. It's this magical intersection of horses and humans, and the transformation that occurs for people when they learn to listen to horses, and they realize a shift. Listening to horses is about hearing themselves more deeply. This is my partner in this work, Cimarron. And this partnership between horses and humans is nothing new. When horses were domesticated 6,000 years ago, it began a relationship that changed the world for people. It transformed the way we produce food, the way we fight our wars, and it allowed us to unite with distant tribes and distant cultures and languages across lands. Now, ancient horse cultures, people that lived close to nature, also lived interdependently with their horses. And horses weren't just prized for their physical attributes. They were seen as spiritual beings, almost with a divine ability to connect humans to another way of seeing the world. In ancient Greece, the horse was believed to be able to transport the human soul between realms. And in ancient Tibet, the wind horse was an allegory for the human soul. And in Mongolia, the wild horse called the taki was also the name for spirit. Now, as we modernized and mechanized and industrialized our lives, we started thinking more than feeling, and the horse became more of a living machine or a tool. But a new role is emerging for the horse at a time when we've dominated nature and dominated everything we can with our amazing power to think. The horse has a role as a teacher to help us reconnect with how to feel and have a direct experience of the world. Now, my relationship with Cimarron illustrated for me this new evolving role of the horse and human bond. And to understand this, it helps to know a little bit about Cimarron's backstory. Cimarron was a former drug-running horse used to transport illegal drugs from Mexico into Arizona. And to do this, to make the horses do this, they use any violent means necessary. And so Cimarron has deep scars on all his legs from rope burns, where they would have tied his legs together, or tied a leg up to his body, or possibly tied his head to a leg. He has scar tissue on his nose as well. And they do this to immobilize the horses, so they can't run. And when they can't run, they can do whatever they want to these horses, and they become helpless. And when they're helpless, they become compliant. And once these horses are compliant, they load them up with drugs, and they deprive them of water, and they send them out into the desert. And the horses go, and they go in search of water. And then, once they're deep enough into Arizona, somebody catches the horse, they unload the drugs, and they leave them to die in the desert. Cimarron was picked up by Border Patrol agents and turned over to a horse rescue. But by this time, I imagine he was finished with listening to humans and submitting to humans, and he refused to allow anyone to on his back. And they kept trying to ride him, and eventually someone was seriously injured, and Cimarron was labeled as dangerous. And so these people who were supposed to be rescuing him now called him dangerous, and an unrideable horse and a dangerous horse is a worthless horse to most people.
But a woman, and Cimarron was going to be euthanized. And a woman named Linda Kohanov heard his story. And she agreed to take Cimarron in order to save his life. Now, Linda is a pioneer in this field of people learning from horses. And when I moved to Arizona to study with Linda, that's when I met Cimarron. And eventually, it became part of my job to work with Cimarron and to train him. I had no idea at the time that this horse would become my horse and that he would change the way I see the world. Now, I have over 40 years of experience with horses, and I had no reason to believe that all my techniques and my methods wouldn't be enough to help Cimarron. But I was in for a little bit of a surprise. The first thing I had to learn with Cimarron was how to protect myself without becoming violent or angry in response. Cimarron, in extreme moments, would attack me with his teeth bared, or he would rear up on his hind legs and come at me with his front legs flailing at the level of my face. And if I became violent or angry in response, he would get worse. And so over time, when I learned how to protect myself and remain calm and remain connected to him, he realized I wasn't going to hurt him. And his worst behaviors, his most aggressive behaviors, disappeared. But he wouldn't stop with certain things. He would always try to bite me or randomly try to strike out with a front leg. And other people were afraid to work with him. And so I wasn't afraid of Cimarron, but I was afraid for him at this point, because I knew this type of horse in the wrong hands would again become abused, or he might hurt someone. But after a year of doing everything I knew to do, every training technique, every method that I had from some of the world's top horseback riders, I couldn't change these behaviors. And so I finally figured out to do what I teach people to do, which is stop thinking so much like a human and start feeling like a horse. And when I did this, when I stepped back and stopped listening to all the thoughts and plans in my head, and I just felt the sensations in my bodies and the emotions I was feeling in this space, an idea popped up. And the idea was simply to take Simran with me when I rode another horse. Now, this made no logical sense, but at this point, I just went for it. And the first day I took Simran out, I was leading him while I was on another horse, and I took his halter off. And Simran took off into the open desert, and I sat there on my horse, watching him go. And my brain started buzzing and trying to figure out, well, what am I going to do? How can I stop him? I don't know how to rope a horse. I mean, what's going to happen? But then I noticed my body was really calm. So I decided to focus on my body. And my body told me to be present, just be a source of confidence for Cimarron. And pretty soon as I sat there, this brown horse came galloping back, and he slid to a stop in front of me and this other horse. But he wasn't threatening, and he wasn't angry. This is the first time I had seen Cimarron look like a fun, happy, relaxed horse. And then he took off again. And this time, I wasn't worried. He left, and I stayed calm, and I just started riding, kind of following after him. And then he came back, and he checked in again. And this kept happening, and so I started playing with this. And when Simran would take off, I would go the other direction, and I'd kind of whistle. And then Simran would come running back, and he'd run past us. 
And I realized that even though he was ahead of me most of the time, he was actually following me for the first time. And so I kind of realized that I was leading him from the back of the herd. And because he was willing, because he wanted to be with me, I could go wherever I wanted, and Simran would go with me. And now I wanted to recreate this on the ground. And my brain was telling me, well, the only reason this is happening is because you're on with this other horse. So I didn't wait a year this time. I went right into my body. And I imagined what it was like when I was working with Simran on the ground. And I could feel it. I could feel the pressure in my chest. It was like something, when I was on the ground working with him, when he was fighting against me, I felt this pressure in my body. And then when I thought about what it was like on the horse, when I felt what it was like with him on the horse, it was free and my body was relaxed and I felt like my heart was actually connected. It was as if my body knew where he was and my body had some understanding that it was okay. And when I thought about that, when I went back to my thinking brain, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm actually in a very subtle way dominating this horse on the ground because I'm relying on ropes and whips and fences and I know that I can make him do what I want to do. And that subtle dominance works with many horses, but with a horse like Cimarron, he resisted and his resistance was biting and striking out at me. And so, this completely shifted, this realization that I had when I, sh when I went back and forth between thinking and feeling gave me this new innovative idea and this, and this new understanding that I wasn't aware of, of how to work with him. And so this leading from the back of the herd became something I did with all my horses and with people. Instead of assuming that because I'm a human or because of a label or a title or educational degrees I have, that I have authority over others. I started connecting with people. I started using my body to give me information about what that person needed in order to willingly follow me, or what that horse needed in order to willingly follow me. And I realized that when I changed, that allowed Cimarron to transform. And the only way I could realize what I needed to do to change was to access the information from my body and from my emotions, and I guess it was intuition. And so, this is a nice story about Cimarron, but it's really about learning to listen to horses in order to access other ways of knowing. And horses are so amazing for this because this is how they live. They access the world with a direct experience of what is happening in their bodies. They feel it and they react, and they're so sensitive. A horse can feel the intention of a predator that's going to attack them versus a predator that's just passing by. And this allows them to save their energy for true emergencies. And so when we listen to the horses, we understand that they're responding to something in us and then we can understand what it is in us and we can shift it. And the really amazing thing is that we have this ability to understand the world the way horses do. But we have to learn how to back away from our thinking and our thoughts. And a great way to do that is to spend time with horses and let them teach us how. And then we can learn to integrate this amazing intellect we have with this amazing ability to be aware and innovative and have insights that comes from our bodies, our emotion, and our intuition. 
Now, many people can use this. You don't have to be a horse person. It doesn't have to be with a horse. And I want to share, as I'm wrapping up, I want to share with you some examples of people, real-life people, who've had experience with the horses and what it's taught them. And the first one I want to tell you about is, was a lawyer. I'll call him Peter. He came to a leadership workshop, and Peter was having trouble with his staff. They were kind of rebelling against him by not doing their jobs, and there was a lot of fighting. And when I gave Peter a goal to accomplish with the horse, Peter immediately went in and started like badgering this horse and pushing this horse and not even noticing that the horse was putting his ears back in anger and swishing his tail, which is a sign of being mad. And then when the horse did start doing it, Peter just kept using the whip and telling him to go and go. And the horse just basically, there was a mutiny and refused to do it. And, and Peter didn't understand, he didn't know what he was doing. And so then I gave him another experience, and this time I coached him on using his body to understand how close to be to the horse. And in gently asking the horse and connecting with the horse before you started doing something, and then backing off and not micromanaging this horse that actually knew how to do this job better than Peter did. <laughs> and when he did this, the horse cooperated, and he did it beautifully. And then Peter, had, he, didn't under, he still didn't understand, and so he had to go into his body, and he had to turn off his brain and really think. And what came up for him was that he expected people to not do what he was asking them to do. This is how he started. Every request or demand was that he assumed people were not going to do it. And so he came on strong. And so with this insight, Peter actually went back, and you're not going to believe this, but he actually instituted... Um, a group meditation before any staff meetings. And he was so excited about connecting with your body that he instituted this in his law firm, and it completely changed the way they do things. And the other example I want to share is a young woman named Chelsea. And Chelsea was a CEO of a company, um, kind of a meteoric rise to success. And she came to work with me because she was going to quit her job. She wanted to quit her job. She was very unhappy in it. And Chelsea, and she was just there to figure out what she wanted to do next. And Chelsea, in an experience with Cimarron, went into the arena with him, and she was silent for a moment. And then she started moving in a very graceful, it looked like a dance. And I immediately was concerned, because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you can't do this with Cimarron. He's going to like attack you or do something. But no, Cimarron, he picked himself up if you've ever seen like a bullfighter or a tango dancer, he looked like a dancer. And he trotted after Chelsea. And he embraced her body with his body. And they moved together like this. He was moving partially forward and partially sideways, embracing her body around the arena in a dance. This was nothing he was trained to do. And at the end of it, we were all in tears. And Chelsea revealed to us that she had been a dancer in college. And this is something she loved to do. And she realized, as she spent some time with this, that she actually didn't need to quit her job, and she didn't want to quit her job. She just needed to make time in her life for all the things she had put aside to be so successful. And so she didn't quit her job. She started dancing. And, and the other piece of it was she wanted to make room for a relationship. And all she had to do was get out of her head and have this experience with the horse and her body to help remind her. 
Now, for 6,000 years, horses, in some form or another, have been partnering with humans. They were key, they were instrumental to human progress. And now we're at a time when so many things are critical. Our thinking is amazing, and we've created and invented incredible things, but we've become so powerful that our thinking has allowed us to dominate everything. And now it seems we need, it's a time, we need to learn to feel and tune into this other amazing ability we have, this ability that is so natural for horses and they can share with us. And when we do this, when we learn to integrate our intellectual awareness with these other ways of knowing, we connect to ourselves, we connect to others, we connect to the ecosystems that we are a part of and we rely on to live. And we can become, we can change, and we can shift in the way that will create the transformation that we all need and we all want to see in the world. And the amazing thing is the horses are just there. They're poised, they're ready to partner with us. We just have to learn to listen. Thank you.